For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome back to the Der Show. Uh, most people remember the Shakespearean line from Henry VI, Part Two, where he has the great villain say, "The first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers." Um, people misinterpreted that as something Shakespeare would have wanted. No, it's even possible Shakespeare was a lawyer. We're not sure, but Shakespeare put it in the mouth of one of his most villainous characters. And of course, that motto has been followed. Um, uh, one of the first things Putin did uh, was kill the lawyers. Um, uh, remember that uh, there was this uh, very uh, prominent uh, uh, person who was opposing uh, Putin, and uh, he had a lawyer named Maznitsky, and uh, Putin killed him, um, sent him to jail, and then had him killed. Uh, Mao Zedong uh, put the lawyers in pig farms. He didn't kill them, but he took them out of the game. Stalin killed the lawyers. Hitler killed uh, the lawyers. Now what we're seeing happening is the Get Trump gang has decided to focus on lawyers. Uh, they've decided to indict lawyers, name them as unindicted co-conspirators, uh, have them sanctioned, have them subject to disbarment, uh, the attack on the lawyers is part and parcel of the attempt to get Trump, because without lawyers, without effective lawyers, without zealous lawyers, without lawyers who are prepared to put their friendships and reputations on the line the way I unfortunately had to do when I defended President Trump against this first impeachment on the floor of the Senate, um, losing my friends on the vineyard, having the library ban me and my books, having uh, book fairs stop uh, having my books and uh, my synagogue ban me, um, Temple Emanuel uh, in New York ban me. Um, going after the lawyers is a very, very effective way of getting, of getting Trump. So Get Trump's Lawyers is the uh, possible title for my next book. Um, and, and it's it's a serious, serious effort. If you look at the in, indictment in, um, in Georgia, it names s several uh, lawyers. Uh, one of them is particularly interesting. Um, his name is Kenneth Cheeseborough, and he's the defendant who recently asked for a um, speedy trial, really discombobulating the, the, the prosecution because they want to try everybody together. You know, the, the district attorney of Fulton County mendaciously told the public that she would uh, want to try all 19 defendants together within six months. Absurd, impossible. And and Cheeseboro, uh, who's apparently a very good lawyer, uh, put her to the test by demanding a speedy trial under the Georgia statute. And it's mandatory. So he got it. Now his trial is uh, set for a couple of months from now, which means that other defendants either will have to be put on trial in a couple of months, which is impossible, 
or they will have to be severed, which gives the defense a considerable advantage because it means they have a chance to uh, forecast the uh, and see and preview the, the, the government's case before uh, Trump, for example, goes on trial. Now that trial is scheduled in March. March is, March is trial month. Three trials of Donald Trump scheduled in March and one in May. Um, one of them for the day before Super Tuesday. Uh, we talked about that yesterday, and I'll get back to some of those issues today. But today I want to focus on getting the lawyers. Now, there are a lot of ways of getting lawyers. Um, you indict them. You name them as unindicted co-conspirators. Jack Smith in the Washington case was cleverer than the DA in uh, Fulton County. The DA indicted them, and they seem like extremely, extremely weak indictments. But uh, that's not what happened in the District of Columbia. In the District of Columbia, Jack Smith simply named them as unindicted co-conspirators. That's very clever, a little sneaky and a little dirty pool, because it means that these people probably can't effectively testify on behalf of the defendants because they're named as unindicted co-conspirators. That is essentially they're accused without being indicted of similar conduct. So if Donald Trump, for example, were to say, well, I relied on uh, Cheeseboro's advice, uh, the response would be, yeah, but he's an unindicted co-conspirator. He's just as bad as you are. We just haven't indicted him. So that's one way of getting lawyers. Uh, the other way is the 65 Project, uh, which has been unfortunately fairly effective. 65 Project is a group of radical left lawyers and some not so radical left, but all have in common get Trump. And borrowing from the McCarthy playbook, they basically said if anybody dares to represent Trump, or if anybody dares to represent anybody associated with Trump, we're coming after you. Uh, we're going to file bar charges against you. We're going to file sanction motions against you. We're going to try to get you disciplined and, and disbarred. Immediately when that happened, I think I've mentioned this before, I, I, I wrote an op-ed uh, calling the 65 Project uh, a version of McCarthyism, the new McCarthyism. So what do you think they did? They filed a bar complaint against me uh, in Massachusetts. And now I, now I have to spend my hard-earned money um, retaining uh, lawyers uh, to defend me. Um, um, uh, I didn't do anything wrong, but nonetheless, I have a bar charge against me. So that means I can't appear uh, in other states um, because to appear in other states, you have to file a motion. And those motions are often denied if you have a bar charge, even if it's an unresolved bar charge against you. I've never been found guilty of a bar charge or anything like that. But nonetheless, um, there's an open bar charge. So uh, that that um, uh, effectively stops me and others uh, who against whom this tactic has been used from defending Trump, even if I wanted to or were able to, or defending some of the other uh, defendants. One of my close friends is defending um, one of the a lawyer defendants in the case and, and coming up with some fairly sophisticated uh, legal uh, defenses. I mean, do you really indict lawyers for giving legal advice? Even if the legal advice turns out to have been rejected by the court, um, that's what happened, of course, in uh, in in, in uh, Bush versus Gore. Um, I was the lawyer uh, representing the voters of Palm Beach County on the notorious butterfly ballot, which probably cost Gore the election. Um, we filed all kinds of motions and 
and Gore's lawyers, led by uh, Lawrence Tribe and um, David Boys, uh, filed all kinds of motions. Every single one of them lost and lost pretty decisively. Supreme Court, it was only five to four, but there were other cases as well uh, where they lost. Uh, and they proposed all kinds of very radical steps. Some um, tribe uh, wrote an article and memorandum in, in, in which he said, well, you can have a recount up to January 6th, up until the day the election is certified. Um, he said, you can do that on the Florida law, but if you can do it on the Florida law, you can do it on the law of any other state that permits it. What he said is the Constitution essentially permits a challenge until January 6th. And that's precisely what Cheeseboro, who ironically was his law clerk and was his research assistant. Uh, at the time he made these um, arguments, and now Cheeseboro borrowed some of the arguments from Tribe. The tribe says, oh, I didn't say that. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Just read the Lorvi article and you'll see you did say that. Uh, but he says he didn't. And Cheeseboro has now been indicted in um, Georgia and named as an unindicted co-conspirator, we think, and unnamed, but we think that he's one of them, who was named as an unindicted co-conspirator in Washington, D.C. Get the lawyers. Get the lawyers. If you can get the lawyers, you can get the client. And, and that's the tactic that's being used. It was the tactic that was being used during McCarthyism. I remember I'm 85 years old. So in 1955, when McCarthyism was pretty much at, at its height, um, I was a freshman in college and I became president of the student government at Brooklyn College, which had been called the Little Red Schoolhouse because uh, it had been all the city colleges in New York had been a center for communist, socialist, radical, anarchist activities. And I was the president of the student government, and I had to defend the right of teachers who I thoroughly disapproved of, disagreed with, and uh, uh, would never take their courses, um, uh, who were communists or fellow travelers or, or, or socialists. I'm very against communism, obviously. Uh, but I defended them, and uh, and and I was, as a result of it, my the president of the college, the university president, wouldn't recommend me to law school, wouldn't recommend me for a Rhodes scholarship. Uh, he said that he thought I was a communist, uh, much the way some people think I'm a Trump supporter. Uh, I'm sure John Adams, people thought he was a supporter of the British because he defended the soldiers at the Boston Massacre. No, no, we're lawyers. Uh, I'm an anti-communist lawyer who defends communists. I'm an anti-Nazi lawyer who has defended the right of Nazis to speak. Uh, I'm an anti-PLO lawyer who defended the right of students at Harvard to uh, fly the Palestinian flag and to have a memorial uh, for Yasser Arafat. Of course, at the memorial, I said I thought Arafat's death was untimely. Uh, I wish he had died four or five years earlier. There might have been a two-state solution. So I'm no stranger to defending people who I don't approve of, don't like, and don't don't support. But most Americans still don't understand it. I still get, I would say, 10% of my emails are, how can you possibly defend Donald Trump and not vote for him? Half of that says you should vote for him, and the other half says you shouldn't vote for him or defend him. But almost none of them say, wow, it's really interesting. You don't vote for him. You want to see him beaten, but you defend him. But that's the American way. It's not the McCarthyite way. 
uh, under McCarthyism, if you defended somebody, you were labeled a fellow traveler. You were labeled a sympathizer. You lost your job. You lost your opportunities uh, as a lawyer. Uh, judges discriminated against you. Uh, the Harvard Law Review kicked off a man named Lobel. This I still remember the name. This goes back now, um, what, 60, 70 years, um, because he had been accused of being a communist in the 1930s. He had the best grades. He made the Harvard Law Review. But the Harvard Law Review and a McCarthyite act tossed him. Uh, that's what McCarthyism was, and we're seeing a renewal of McCarthyism now uh, in the Get Trump uh, posse. And the Get Trump posse is going after the lawyers. And I'm hoping that the lawyers, I'm hoping everybody has zealous representation. That's the way the American system works. It works best when you have an adversarial system with equal um, talents on, on all sides. And so it's not the lawyers who determine the outcome of the case, but it's the facts and the law, because lawyers on both sides are zealous uh, advocates. I hope there will be zealous advocates, but I don't think there will be. I can tell you I know lawyers who have declined an opportunity to defend Trump and some of the people that have been charged with Trump because they're afraid Project 65 will come after them. They're afraid they'll lose their friends the way I did. They're afraid they'll lose their jobs. They'll lose their clients. Um, yeah, they're law firms. Uh, I spoke to one yesterday that uh, refuses to represent anybody who has anything to do with Donald Trump. Um, that's their politics. Um, but it's not the American way. The American way is you defend people who need representation without regard to their uh, political views, their ideological views, and their partisan affiliations. Um, unfortunately, we're becoming more like some European countries where there's a left-wing bar and a right-wing bar and the people on the left only represent people on the left and people on the right only represent people on the right. That was different in America for many, many, many years. Uh, we had a tradition. Ed Bennett Williams, who was a strident Democrat, very friendly with people uh, on the Democratic Party. He represented Republicans. He represented communists. He represented, I mean, he was himself a very religious Catholic. He represented atheists. He represented people who he fundamentally disagreed with. Abraham Lincoln uh, did the same thing. We all know about John Adams. Daniel Webster did the same thing. Thurgood Marshall represented people he disapproved of. Um, and um, uh, Justice Ginsburg uh, made a career out of defending men who were discriminated against in order to establish principles which would make it harder to discriminate against women. She was very smart that way. And some of the most important cases involving anti-discrimination against women were established by male uh, uh, plaintiffs. And so uh, I remember I had uh, such a case. I had a case where somebody came to see me. Uh, it, it, it ultimately, uh, the Massachusetts had a very important case. Um, where um, a man who was a nurse was married to a surgeon. A uh, woman was a surgeon, and uh, the woman ran off with another doctor. Um, he had paid for her medical school, and, um, 
and uh, he wanted alimony. He had no money. He was a nurse. He was making, you know, a small amount of money. She was a surgeon making a fortune of money. He had paid for her medical school. And so he wanted to get her to pay a substantial alimony. And he went to a firm that specialized in getting good alimony payments for women. And the head of the firm said, no, 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 no. We, we don't represent men. We only represent women. And uh, he brought a lawsuit. And uh, Massachusetts courts upheld his lawsuit saying, uh, you can be a feminist, but you can't be a sexist. That is, you can take cases that help feminism. In this case, would have helped feminism because it was a case claiming that the poorer person who put the richer person through medical school has to pay money. But you can't be a sexist. You can't have a sign on the door saying, no men, no Jews, no Muslims. And I don't think you can say, I would, I don't know whether the law would support this, but I would say you can't have a sign on the door that says no Republicans, no Democrats. Uh, lawyers should represent anybody, uh, regardless of their, of their politics. I was asked to represent a man once who uh, was a neo-Nazi, uh, but he had been denied admission to the bar uh, because of his views. Um, and I agreed to defend them, but I said I would charge him my full fee and uh, I would donate all the money he paid me to the Anti-Defamation League of the Benet Brith and to the NAACP, and he wouldn't give the money to them, so he didn't He didn't uh, retain me. I'm very lucky because uh, a few months later he was um, uh, charged with facilitating uh, the murder of some uh, uh, Jews and Blacks and uh, went to prison for a long, long period of time and threatened my life. And and I had to have FBI guards um, um, uh, defending me for a period of time when it looked like he had a hit out on me. That That's what real lawyers do. They defend people they don't like. They defend people they disapprove of. They defend principles, not people. Again, the Bible, I've told you this so many times, but it's my favorite portion of the Bible, my own bar mitzvah. Uh, portion, uh, Shoftim, Judges, and the first lesson to Judges is lo takir panim, do not recognize faces, do not do justice based on who the person is. That's an instruction to Judges. I taught my students the same thing if you're a lawyer. If you're a lawyer, don't recognize faces, don't recognize races, don't recognize genders, don't recognize uh, sexual orientations. Take cases that are important for the Constitution without regard to who the person is. That's where the, the, the statue of blindfolded justice uh, comes from. It doesn't come from Greek mythology. It comes from the Torah, from the, from the Bible, uh, from a book holy to Jews and Christians uh, alike. I would bet you that uh, other holy books, Quran and other holy books, probably have similar um, admonitions uh, to do justice without regard to the person or the political party, or the gender. But that's not the world we live in today. We live in a world of identity politics, where not only the courts recognize faces, they make their decisions based on races. Supreme Court finally said no when it comes to university admissions. We'll see what happens, whether or not universities cheat to get around that decision. But uh, finally, the courts are saying don't recognize don't recognize uh, races, but too many people in too many contexts still do. Going back to uh, the lawyers, something has to be done about this. And the tragedy is, you know, during McCarthyism, there were a group of at least courageous lawyers who stood up 
to the attempt to try to use getting lawyers as a way of denying people's civil liberties. I don't see that group today. I don't see that group emerging. I don't see principled lawyers today getting together and saying, you know, we don't like Trump. Uh, maybe we don't like Dershowitz. We don't like any of those people. But we're going to stand up for the right of every citizen to be represented by a zealous uh, lawyer. We're, we're not going to let uh, the get Trump people use the legal profession as a way of getting Trump. We're going to stand up against that. Lawyers, where are you? Why aren't you speaking? Why are you silent? Are you being intimidated by the 65 Project? Are you being blinded by your hatred for Trump? No, speak out. You're the last barrier between governmental tyranny and the people. That's why Shakespeare said the first thing we do is kill the lawyers. That's why Mao put them in pig farms. That's why Putin killed lawyers. And that's why people like Abraham Lincoln and John Adams and Thurgood Marshall and Edward Bennett Williams and um, uh, Louis Brandeis and Arthur Lyman uh, and James St. Clair. Some of these are names are known to you. Some of these are not. Uh, James St. Clair was a lawyer who represented um, Nixon. He didn't like Nixon. I didn't like Nixon. But I remained Jim's friend because he did a terrific job. I remember once being asked, would, would, would it be a good thing for Nixon to be represented by Jim St. Clair? And I said, if he's innocent, it would be a great thing. If he's guilty, maybe not so good. Um, and so um, I said the same thing about a number of other special counsel that were appointed over the years. So this get lawyers, get Trump's lawyers thing poses an equal danger to get Trump. And I'm going to stand up against it with all my power and might, uh, as long as the good Lord gives me the energy to keep fighting back against injustices, regardless of whether they come from the left or the right, from Democrats or Republicans, principled, constitutional. That's what matters. Okay, let's look at some letters. Um, the D.C. judge fast-tracking the case and expecting defense counsel to read through millions of pages of exculpatory evidence is in conflict with Rule 1.1 of the Model Rules of Professional Conduct. Right. That states, a lawyer shall provide competent representation to a client. Competent representation requires legal knowledge, skill, toughness, and, this is the point, preparation reasonably necessary for the representation. If I were the lawyers in that case, I would bring this into court and say, Your Honor, I cannot comply with Rule 1.1 of the model rules. I cannot do thorough preparation reasonably necessary for the representation in the short amount of time you've given me. So with all due respect, Your Honor, I'm declining this case. I can't do it. I can't do it. You're going to have to find another lawyer who's willing to compromise uh, on preparation. Already, uh, the judge and the prosecutor, we don't have to read every page. Yes, you do, because we know the trick prosecutors use. Needle and haystack. They have 12.7 million pages. They throw it at you. It's called a document dump. And they say, look through it. Maybe you'll find the 10 or 15 nuggets that will help you win the case. That's not the way it should be. Prosecution should be required to identify the critical pieces of exculpatory evidence and point them out to the defense so that the defense doesn't have to rummage through 
12 million pages in order to get to the one or two or 10 or 100 pages that really matter. It's a trick and uh, it shouldn't be tolerated by the court. One of the letters reminds me of an old quote. It used to be said that the wheels of justice turn slowly but grind exceedingly fine. I want to return to that time period. Look, it's true. Uh, justice to be served is, um, it, it takes time. And I'll, I'll just read you a couple more letters along those lines. I have worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I have never, ever seen a defendant facing so many trials in such a short period of time. Not mass murderers, not serial killers, not lifelong marxists, none, ever. Prosecutors have always consolidated cases to focus on the most egregious charges they are bringing and bringing it at one trial. This is ridiculous and has no precedent. In addition, defense always is given more time and leverage in any case or trial. What's going on here? What's going on here is get Trump. And you're absolutely right. In a normal case, the judge would say, particularly in the Georgia case, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's just figure out what you're really charging here. Um, do you really need RICO? I don't think you need RICO. And do you really need all these defense? I don't think. Let's 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 narrow the focus here. Judges do that. And um, and uh, if and if the prosecution won't do it, the judge can't make them do it. Uh, you have to give them more time to to prepare for complex cases. I was a defendant in Morris County, New Jersey. I was indicted in March 2008. March 2008. I didn't go to trial until March 2015. Seven years later, where was the state asking for a speedy trial there uh, on the white collar crime? Only 15 boxes of discovery of ham sandwiches. And you want to tell me Trump case scheduled for March? Unbelievable. I need someone to call me. I need to go on TV. Well, you're not on TV, but you're uh, on my podcast, and uh, your name is uh, Adel McHale. Okay, so you're on. You're on a version of TV. Question: If they are forced to go forward in six months, can Trump then claim, among all other claims, he will have ineffective counsel? And could his attorney testify in his defense that they were ineffective due to time constraints? What would be the downside or repercussions, if any? I know a lawyer could do that. If a lawyer feels that he was denied the opportunity to represent his client zealously and effectively, the lawyer can appear as a witness. Now, when the lawyer appears as a witness that may constitute some kind of waiver of lawyer-client privilege communications, they would have to sort that out and get what are called motions in limity decided by the judge before um, he made that decision. But yes, I think if they are forced to trial, um, the, the, um, uh, and if the defendant is found guilty, he can, and I'm sure will, um, appeal. Next question relates to that. Is there any way to appeal the scheduling of the trial on the grounds that there's no way a defense can digest the discovery and prepare a defense in that time frame? Yes, there is. You can bring a writ of mandamus. You can bring an interlocutory appeal. Um, and you can try to get the case up before an appellate court on this issue. It's, there's no guarantee the court will take it, but you can at least try. And I would think that the defendants in this case would have a good case to bring to an appellate court, particularly when you have to read, you know, 12 million pages in, in, in six months. I think that would be something a court would be sympathetic to. And, and you know, courts have to be guardians of due process, not the ones who are denying due process. This judge is basically saying, I oh, don't have to. Stuff, come on, that's just stuff. You don't have to read that stuff. 
yeah, you got to read that stuff. You got to do your homework. Your Honor, you may not have to read that because you have a law clerk. Uh, but I, as a defense attorney, I have nobody to read it for me. I have to read it. I don't trust young kids right out of law school to make very complex and very subtle decisions about how to use a piece of evidence that might be exculpatory if used in a certain way and inculpatory if used in another way. I'll give you an example about that. Take the, the famous phone call that uh, is the subject of this um, indictment, uh, really both in Georgia and implicitly in D.C. as well, where um, President Trump tell, tells Raffsenberger, the uh, Secretary of State, I need to find 7,000 or whatever the number was, uh, votes. Uh, that can be seen as exculpatory or inculpatory. Uh, the exculpatory meaning is he said fine. He didn't say make up. He didn't say concoct. He didn't say manufacture. He said fine. And fine means it's there. And if it's there to be found, it's appropriate. I guarantee you that people on the uh, Gore defense team tribe or uh, some of the others, I guarantee you they made phone calls. And they certainly among themselves said, can't we just find six, 700 votes if we have a recount in this county, but that not that county, maybe we can get 200 there. Maybe we can get 300 there. I assure you that conversation occurred. And so handled properly, the Raffsenberger call can be deemed as exculpatory. Handled improperly, it can be seen as inculpatory, as incriminating. All right. This is an interesting question. If lawyers were to wait until the last minute and then step down, would the judge give a continuance if President Trump doesn't have a lawyer? Well, once you make an appearance in a case, you can't step down. Uh, the judge will say you're ordered to defend the case. I don't agree with that. Uh, I'm, as a teacher of legal ethics for 30 or more years at Harvard, I would refuse to participate in a trial in which I could not provide zealous, effective representation to my client. If my performance would be ineffective assistance of counsel, I won't do it. Just like I wouldn't perform an operation if I were a doctor unless I had all the x-rays, all the CAT scans, all the papers. I wouldn't accept a statement from the chief of the hospital. Oh, you don't have to read them all. Come on, just do the surgery. Uh, you, you know enough. You have a lot of experience. You can do it. You don't have to read all the CAT scans and all the pharmaceuticals. Come on. No, no doctor would ever do that. And no lawyer, no good lawyer should agree to represent a client under the circumstances that this judge and the other judges have imposed on the lawyers in this case. So get the lawyers. That's the cry. That's the mantra. That's the new McCarthyism. See you tomorrow. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. 
LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.